Good Erev Shabbos, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We dedicate this class. The Yidden of Israel should be safe, especially those in the front line and all those who are wounded should be healed and the hostages will be returned, miraculously returned, unscathed. And leave the Nishmas, the and the Push Lemur for Peril Bas Miriam. So, we left off in the bottom, the last words in the bottom of 67b. The says, Where do we know? That any relationship, intimate relationship, with an ad- without Aroyas, with the penalty is karas, your life gets cut off, Hashem will cut off your soul. How much more so if it's a capital uh, capital punishment? How do we know that the child, the offspring of that intimacy, is a bastard? So we learn it out from sisters. The Torah says you're not allowed to marry, you're not allowed to be with the, with the two with the sister, if the wife's sister is alive. If your wife is alive, you're not allowed to marry your sister, be intimate with your sister, even if it's an ex-wife. So there, it's an extra pasuk, so we learn that not only you're not allowed to be intimate with her, but if you are, there's no kiddushin. So from this we learn, the Torah says, at the end of all those illicit relationships, at the end of the parasha, the Torah says, when whoever does any of these, that he mentions, the Torah includes them all, compares them all, and unifies them all. So Whatever the law applies to a sister of your wife applies to all of the prohibited relationships mentioned. Okay, if that's the case, we continue on 68a. I feel a nida nami. Then even a nida, a nida also. If you're intimate with a nida, since it's a, it's the prohibition, the punishment for being intimate with a nida's is your life gets cut off. So you should say there's no kedushin. Let's say you're marrying a woman, you do betrothing a woman who's a nida. So since the intimacy is not an intimacy, you should say there's no Kedushin. Kedushin does not apply. And we know it does. We do all the time. We'll, learn, we'll see in a minute why does it actually choose this. Uh, so, so, and, and if you do, then the offspring should be a bastard. Why does it actually have to give an example? We'll see in a minute why does it actually have to give an example of of a, you're betrothing a woman who's a nida. Well, how about your wife? You married her for 30 years, but she's a nida. You had relationship with her while she was a nida. And there was an offspring, she conceived. So the child from that, the mom from that, uh, from that intimacy should be a bastard. No. Alamba, we see it's not so. When Rabbi Abayah says, everyone agrees. Even the rabbis who say that any intimacy where the penalty is cut as the offspring from that intimacy is a bastard, agree that the nida, not, nida is the exception. 99% of the Jews have that problem. Right, right, very good. But Rashi doesn't say it. Rashi brings the example, the, the example of you marrying a nida. You betroth her while she's a nida. So then, yeah, yeah. So then, then, yeah, so why? We'll see. And Asaita, even Rabbi Kiva, even Rabbi Kiva says that any prohibition, whenever a marriage is illegal, and the Torah says you're not allowed to, it's prohibited. So any offspring from that marriage is a bastard. So you would think it would include even your wife, Asaita. The Torah prohibits the husband from living with his wife. His wife. You warned your wife. And you told her not to seclude. And there were witnesses that she, she, you warned her. And there were witnesses that she secluded herself. Despite the warning. 
We don't know what happened during that seclusion. Maybe she's an adulteress. The Torah says the husband is not allowed to live with her, ever, unless she drinks the waters of the Saita. So it's a prohibition. What if the husband goes ahead and is intimate with, the, with his wife, with the Saita, violates the, transgresses this prohibition? According to Rabbi Kiva, if, he, if he's consistent, he should say that the children, the child of this, of this intimacy should be ambassador. He says, no, it's not. Why not? They agree. Why is that? The reason is because the, the Kiddushin, there's a valid Kiddushin. It was his wife. She did something wrong. She secluded herself with a stranger even though she was warned. But, but the Kiddushin is a Kiddushin. Any marriage with is a proper Kiddushin, you can't say the child is a Mamza. So therefore, the Saita, yes, he did something wrong. He violated According to Rabbi Kiva, all the other prohibitions, the marriage doesn't begin. If you go transgress and you betroth someone, the Torah says, don't betroth. According to Rabbi Kiva, there's no kiddushin, there's no marriage. That's why the child, the offspring of that intimacy is a mamza. But here, in the case of a Saita, the, the, uh, the marriage is a marriage. Rabbi Kiva said so and that's that's also now by Nida, by Nida. Where do we know that Nida? Now? So by Nida again, a Nida, a case of a Nida that was married. You were already married, and then you were intimate with your wife, like you're saying. Unfortunately, most Jews who ignorant and don't know and don't keep the laws of mikvah. So over there, for sure, for sure, we can't say that the child is a bastard, even though they violated the prohibition. Because there's a kedushin, they're married. It's a proper kiddush, but the case of where the betrothal was when she was in the state of nita. So there's no betrothal in the first place. Seemingly, there's no betrothal in the first place because she's in nita. And nevertheless, the child is not a bastard. Why not? So it's a fine line between. Do you say why by nita the children, the child? Do you say is is a uh, the child is not a bastard because it says in the Pasuk I'm a chizki, it says in the Pasuk it's still a valid it's still the Kiddushan is valid Taita says that the Kiddushan is valid mm-hmm. so therefore since the Kiddushan is valid that's why that's why it doesn't matter. Even though you're violating a prohibition, a prohibition has cutters, but since the condition is valid, the child can't be a mamzer. Right. Why do I need a pasik? It actually says, it actually explains. I only need a pasik in the case when the during the condition she's a nida. If when she's in, if you already have a condition and then you're intimate with her while she's a nida, you can't. It's like Saita. You can't undo what was there. It's still a marriage. You still need a divorce. You can't live with her. You still need a divorce. If you're saying there's no condition, I don't need a divorce. Nothing ever happened. Right. But here, we, that's what we need a Pasuk to teach me, that if when you betrothed her, she's a nida. Chupas nida happens all the time. It's a good Kiddushin. Right. How, do, how could there be a good Kiddushin that she's a nida? Because the Pasuk says, that even though she's a nida, you can still be with each other, you can still be connected with each other through Kiddushin. So since the Torah allows me, the marriage is a valid marriage, so therefore even I violate a prohibition, a severe prohibition of Kiddushin, right, 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 the child can be a bastard. Let's look. <laughs> so now I have, I have a dilemma. 
have two sources in the Torah. One, one source of the Torah tells me in the case of your wife's sister, as long as your wife is alive. So if you're intimate with your wife's sister, the offspring is a bastard. And in another case, by Nida, the Torah tells me it's also an illicit relation, which has cutters. The Torah says, if you have relations with your wife, it's a Nida. It's a Kiddushin. And, and if you marry, betroth the woman who's a Nida, the child, the offspring, is not a bastard. So why are you comparing? So I have two, two psukim. Why are you comparing all the other illicit relations to the wife, the wife's sister? Why don't you compare it to the case of a Nida? Maybe one of them is coming to teach us for all the others. The Torah says all the prohibitions are all one, all equal. So how do I know it's equal to the wife's sister? Maybe all the, all the other religious relations are equal to the case of Anida, where the Torah says explicitly it's a Kedushan and therefore the child is not a bastard. Right, right, right. So maybe all illicit relations the child not be a bastard. If it's Kaddish. We're not talking about the death in the hands of court, the capital punishment. That we already learned. But the Kaddish, how do we? why are you comparing it? Why are you learning why are you learning? Why are you saying it's equal to the wife's sister instead of saying it should be equal to the case of Anida? When you have a chance of learning a leniency or learning a strictness, so we always say you should learn strictly. Why? Because being a bastard, you learn from. The Torah says they're all equal. The question is: Is the child a bastard, the offspring, or not? When that depends on the kedushin. So since all the other illicit relations, there's no kedushin. So too. So therefore, therefore, the, the, the children, the offspring, are bastards. The case of Anid is the exception because there is a condition. Whenever there's a condition, the child is the child is not a bastard. Because we learn it out because the Torah says a mamzer, and then the Torah says you're not allowed to sleep, you're not allowed to be intimate with your father's wife, even if it's not your mother, your stepmother. So over there, there's no kedushin. So we learn a mamzer. A mamzer is only if there's no kedushin. So therefore, all the other relations we learn from the wife's sister, just like the wife's sister is no kedushin. So over there, and therefore, the child is a bastard. Versus nida is the exception because the Torah says there is a kedushin. Okay, the Gemara says, says, What's the source that there's no Kedushin in the case where there's Kedushin? We learn by a priori logically compelling argument from Yevama. Yevama, the wife of the husband, died childless. She has to continue the marriage by marrying the the brother, brother-in-law, the late husband's brother. The Torah says, until she marries, or she gets a chalitza from the surviving brother, she's not allowed to marry anyone else. He's prohibited from marrying anyone else. And there's no cutters. And the Torah says, The Torah says, the Taylor uses an expression she should not be. Leitia means she can't be, she can't connect. There's no Kedushin here. So if she can't have a Kedushin, even if there's only a transgression, there's no penalty of cutters, you don't lose your life, your soul doesn't get cut off. It's only a transgression. 
And nevertheless, the Tater says there's no Kedushin. How much more so in a case with Chayve Krisus? Your life gets cut off. How much more so that Leitia? There's no, there's no Kedushin. There's no betrothal. There's no connection. You can't create a connection. But I ask if that's the case. Why don't you learn all the prohibition? If you're learning from the case of a Yavama, why don't you learn all prohibition? Any transgression, there's no kedushin. Just like the the the, uh, the widow, she can't marry, and if she does marry, if she does a kedushin from someone else, it, she doesn't need a divorce. There's no betrothal, nothing happens. So learn all the prohibitions, all the transgressions from there. Not only not only in the case of a kar. Not by Kalvachayma, but by Memetzina. You learn one from the other. Taita always gives us one example, and we extrapolate the same as true across the board. Taita wants to give me one example, doesn't have to spell out and everything. So I'm going to pop it up by answers. You don't learn. Chayvi Labin. It says clearly. It says clearly that that there is a condition. You could marry, you could be true. Where do we learn this? Because it says, it says in Deuteronomy, a person has two wives. One is beloved and one is hated. And you have two sons, one from each wife. And the hated wife has the Bukhar, the oldest one. So it says, you have to treat him like Bukhar, he gets a double portion. So the question we ask, Hashem hates, one woman is hated and one woman is beloved, Hashem loves everyone. How can you call someone beloved, hated? You're not allowed to hate someone. What do you mean hate? Ella, rather, that's a kosher marriage. In other words, she's not transgressing. She's not doing anything illegal. It's a marriage. It's a legal marriage, which is why the offspring, the child, her firstborn, is treated as a firstborn and gets double portion. But even though the marriage is illegal, but it's a marriage. And the title says it's a marriage. So we see clearly in the title. So you can't learn from Yavama. Yavama is the exception. The widow is the exception. In that case, every rule has an exception. In that case, when she violates the transgression, the prohibition of marrying out before she continues the marriage or gets a halitza from the surviving brother, there the title says, Leitia, there there's no kiddush. Before all other prohibitions, there is a kiddush. Think about all that. But Rabbi Kiva, the Amar, in Kedushin Tefsim, B'chayi V'lavin, the end of the mind book. According to Rabbi Kiva, who says that any transgression, any prohibition, there's no mam, there's no Kedushin, and that's why the child is a mamzer. Why does the Torah have to say by a widow, Loi Tiena? Oh no, I'm sorry. How is he going to explain Tiena Lish Achas Ahuva Vachas Nuah? How is Rabbi Kiva going to explain a hated woman? You can't say hated that the marriage is a transgression. The marriage is a transgression. There's no marriage. So the firstborn, he doesn't get the double portion of the estate. Mm-hmm. It's a bastard. 
There's no marriage. You can't say Tiena that it is a Kiddushan. But answers, he'll say, he's talking about Monal King of it is a transgression. But that's why it's hated. But it's a positive mitzvah. Like a, a King God who has to marry, he's not allowed to marry a widow, has to marry a, a maiden, a virgin. But the Torah states it in a positive. It's a mitzvah, it's not a prohibition, not a transgression. So it's against the will of Hashem. But it's not a transgression. So therefore, since therefore the kiddushin is a kiddushin, Vienna, it's a, it's a, a kiddushin is a marriage, and that's why her offspring is a, treated as a firstborn and gets a double portion. I'm sorry, Amon the Gadol is a prohibition. But this is the exception that we learned it the other day. This is the exception that proves the rule. Even though the Kiva says that any prohibition, no kedushin, and the child of Mamzer, but Amon the Gadol is the exception. Where do we learn this from? Because it says in the Pasuk, Amr Taita, Taita says, that by Koyan Gadol marrying the widow, the children will be deconsecrated. They'll lose the status of the sanctity of a Koyan. They won't be considered Koyan. They won't have the sanctity of a Koyan. They can contaminate to the dead. They can marry the worst woman. They have no sanctity. So the Torah says, what are the consequences of a high priest marrying a, a widow? Not a virgin. The consequences are, the only consequences are that the children will not be considered Koyan. No other consequences. Not bastards. So here the Torah makes an exception, even though it's a prohibition, and usually, in general, whenever you violate a prohibition, there's no condition the children are bastards. This is the exception. And that's what the Torah is referring to. A person will have two wives. He's talking about a Kohen Gadol. A Kohen Gadol has two wives. One of them is a kosher wife, a virgin. The other one was a widow. So even though it's new, it's hated, Hashem hates this marriage because it's against Hashem's will, it's a prohibition. But, but it's still a marriage. And the child is a bhar, he still gets the double portion. Let's yell it, I Let's argue with Rabbi According to Rabbi Yezab, he's making a lot of bastards in the Jewish people. Because a lot of people do violate transgressions, transgress. And according to Rabbi Kiva, all of their offsprings are bastards. And he says, call. Call meaning even in the case of a widow marrying a high priest. And he said, call Shein Libya Bishrael. Shein Libya means any, when any relationship that Hashem is against, that it's illegal. Hashem says, I don't want you to do it. This will, I don't approve of this relationship. The children are bastards. So he says, okay, according to Rabbi Yeshiva, Rabbi Yeshiva, I can explain. If I'm going to explain, Rabbi Yeshiva is just coming to argue with Rabbi Yeshiva. Rabbi Yeshiva says, that in general, according to Rabbi Kiva, any prohibition, any transgression, any pro- love, there's no marriage and the children are bastards, with the exception of a high priest, marrying a widow, even though it's a prohibition. Here, there is a marriage and the children are not bastards. So he, so Rabbi Simoy, is coming to say, no. According to Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Sheba was coming to say, not like Rabbi, not like Rabbi Simoy. He's coming to say, according to Rabbi Kiva, all cases. 
all prohibition. Even in the case of a high priest marrying a widow, the child is also a bastard. So, so shop it. I can say good. Why? If I can say, let's say he's violating a positive. There's a positive mitzvah. The Torah says a, a convert, an Egyptian convert, or an Edomite convert, you have to wait three generations. So it's a positive. It's a mitzvah. There's no prohibition. So if you go ahead and you marry a second generation convert, Egyptian Edomite convert, a first generation, you violated the uh, positive mitzvah. The Torah states it in the positive. You should wait three generations. That's all. That's all it says. Okay. It doesn't say don't marry the first two generations. Wait three generations. So if you violate a positive, I'm doing. I'm going against the will of Hashem. But according to according to even according to Rabbi Kiva, that's not included. It's a good marriage, and the child is not a bastard because it's, it's not a transgression. Yes, I didn't fulfill a positive mitzvah, but I didn't violate a transgression. So you make that distinction. So therefore, I can still call her a snua. Hashem hates this marriage because you're violating the Torah. You're violating the code of Jewish law. You're not keeping the 613 mitzvah. But that's not a transgression. So therefore, that's why the child, the offspring, has to be treated like a b'chor and be given double the portion. But if you're going to say, time and time, that Rabbi Shevov is not responding to Rabbi Simboy. He made an independent statement. According to, we have to yell against Rabbi Kiva. According to Rabbi Kiva, he's increasing so many bastards. According to him, any relationship that doesn't follow the Torah, that goes against the 600, it doesn't matter if it's a transgression or it's a positive mitzvah, even if I'm marrying a second generation, a first generation Edomite or, or, or Egyptian. It's not a kosher marriage, and the child a bastard. There's no marriage. So according to him, how are you going to explain the pasuk? Hachas ahuva, hachas nuo. Person has two wives. One of them is beloved, and one of them is hated. There's no such scenario. If it's hated, meaning it goes against the Torah, then, then there is no marriage. And if there's no marriage out of wedlock, he shouldn't get. He shouldn't get a double portion. He's talking about Bebu'ullah. She's not a virgin. She had relations before she got married. And then the Kohen Gadol, when she married the Kohen Gadol, Peter says that the Kohen Gadol could only marry a virgin. So the Gemara says, why is it any different? Again, you're violating the Torah. He's saying it's hated because you're violating the Torah. Didn't Rabbi Shevam just say that anything that Hashem goes against the Torah, it's not a marriage. And the child is a bastard. So why is this case any different? A high priest can't marry a non-virgin. He married a virgin. He married a non-virgin. She was already the flower. So why, why is this any different? How could you say it's a marriage? And the child gets double portion. So your mother answers, Mishum... Since it's unique to the high priest, so therefore it's a very light mitzvah. In other words, it's not a, it's not across the board. An Edomite and Egyptian, yeah, yeah, even a positive commandment. An Edomite and Egyptian is across the board. Any Jew, no Jew is allowed to marry them. It applies to all Jews. Therefore, it's strict. That's why even here the child is a bastard, and the kedushin is not a kedushin. Here. 
it's just the Kayim Gadol. There's one Jew in the whole world that, 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 that this applies to. And it's a positive mitzvah. Marry a virgin. So, you, so it's a light. It's not, you don't treat it the same. You're not going to say the children are bastards. So Hashem hates it because you didn't listen to Hashem. But we're not going to go so far to say that there's no condition and the child is a bastard. Okay, now the Gemara says, the rabbis who disagree with Rabbi Kiva and they say Achas means you violate a transgression and we learn that it's, it's considered a Kedushin how do you prove it from here? One, maybe you can learn the verse according to Rabbi Kiva. Maybe he's talking about uh, it's hated because you violated a positive mitzvah. And maybe in the case of a positive mitzvah, dear, it's a marriage and the child is not a bastard. But in the case of a prohibition, what's the proof from here? I can interpret the Pasuk. In a, in a very satisfactorily, even saying the Torah is referring to something only a positive mitzvah, then there is a kedushin. Maybe Rabbi Kiva is right. If there's a transgression or prohibition, then there's no kedushin, and the child is a bastard. So you answers because Hani I say many. What 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 are you referring to when you say a positive? You violate a positive mitzvah. If both the woman he loves and the woman he hates are Egyptian, so the stainsnuis they both hate. No, the one who's beloved, a beloved marriage is an Israelite, is a proper marriage. The other wife is an Egyptian, but it says stainosh. A person has two wives. In other words, means they're equal. They're both from the same nation. They're both equal. Mm-hmm. Not one is an Israelite and one is an Egyptian. If you're going to say that's referring to a high priest and married, the wife that's hated, the marriage is hated because she was non virgin. Any person, especially within a Koyan, only a Koyan Gadol. So therefore, the rabbis say that the, the simple meaning is they're talking about the Israelites, but they violated the prohibition. A relationship that, 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 that's a prohibition. And the Torah says, nevertheless, it's a good marriage. He has to, he has no choice. In other words, once the Torah reveals by Yevama, by the widow, the husband dies childless, but the surviving brothers can't live with anyone. She can't marry anyone until she continues the marriage against the Khalifa from the surviving brother. Taylor says, Dear, there is no marriage. So I learned from there. Taylor is teaching me from there that all prohibitions, all transgressions, there is no marriage, and the child is a bastard. So I have no choice. How am I going to interpret the plot verse? A person has two wives, one is loved, one is hated, or Hashem hates all But you have to say because the marriage is hated, because it goes against the Torah. How is that possible? If it's a prohibition, then it's not allowed. Either it's talking about a positive, you violated a positive mitzvah, you married that wife is an Egyptian, even though it's not simple, simple reading of the positive. But according to one interpretation of Rabbi Shevav, he says even that would be the child would be a bastard. And, and then the marriage would not be a marriage. You have to say he's talking about this unique case of a high priest marrying a mother virgin. And therefore, the Torah says it's a good marriage. Now it's fine.
the Gemara is just saying that the, the, we, the, the, the marriage, we have a scenario where the marriage is hated, it goes against the Torah, it goes against the will of Hashem, against Allah, against Muhammad. But nevertheless, the end of the Torah says it's a marriage. So the rabbis say it's talking about prohibitions, a marriage that violates a transgression, as long as there's no karis. And the, Ram, and the Rabbi Kiva says, no, only a positive mitzvah or, or the one case with a high priest marrying a number. But the, it doesn't change the halach. The Torah is not saying that the law that a firstborn inherits and gets a double portion is only in the case where he's not a bastard. It's a marriage. That's not the case. Even if the first child is a bastard, it's out of love like it's, there's no marriage, it's a bastard. He's still the firstborn. He still gets a double portion. Nothing changed. That's the halacha. That's the bottom line. Let's continue. It says now Mishnah. But what if there's no kiddushin? Not on you. Not on anyone else. Not only for you, it's not a kiddushin. No one else can marry it. Not only because it's a relative to you. Because they're non-Jewish. No Jew can marry a non-Jew. There's no marriage here. There's nothing here. There's nothing. No connection. You can't transplant a kidney with a heart. Kidney is very important. God loves all of his people, needs all of his people, all 70 nations. Where you can't transplant a marriage is a, is a soul connection. A soul, a kidney and a heart don't go together. So there's no marriage, nothing happens. You can have the clown stand there with a talus and the yarmulke and make a mockery of everything that's sacred and genuine and lie and cheat and deceive these people as if there's a marriage happening when there is no marriage. It doesn't change anything. It's a funeral, not a marriage. When a Jew intermarries, it's a funeral. How do we know that if you're intimate with a Canaanite, a non-Jewish slave, that the child, the offspring, is, is not Jewish, you follow her? He told his two helpers, assistants, which were actually Ishmael and Eliezer, wait here with a donkey. Why does he have to tell him, wait here with a donkey? So wait here. The lion Yitzchak will go. Why do the donkey? So he says, He's telling them that they compare to a donkey. But even though he was a servant, Eliezer was Avram's servant. But they consider like a donkey. So just like, could you marry a donkey if you betroth a donkey? I mean, the way America's heading, we're getting there. But as of this moment, uh, you can marry a donkey? Is it a marriage? So too, uh, for a Jew to marry a Canaanite servant, is no marriage. He says, Ashkan le tafsebe kiddushin. We find that you don't find kiddushin. We continue in side B, 68B. How do we know? Okay, there's no marriage. How do we know we follow her? Maybe we follow him. The offspring should follow the father Jew. It says, by a Jewish slave. And the owner has the right to give the Jewish slave at night. He works for him day and night. At night, he gives him his Canaanite maid. Regularly, a Jew cannot be intimate with a Canaanite slave. But when he's a Jewish slave, the master, the Jewish master can give him that he's allowed to bed and, 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 and give him the slaves. Why? Because the offsprings will belong to the master. Because the wife and the children will belong to the master. Because she's a Canaanite, a non-Jewish slave, made, and the offsprings will also belong to the master. So you see, clearly we follow the mother. 
Okay, fine. So that you explain how we know the case of a maid, a Canaanite maid, Canaanite slave. How about a guy? Where do we know? How do we know that the child goes after the mother? The mother is non-Jewish. The child is 100% non-Jewish. Not because we don't know who the father is. Even if you take a DNA test, you know, it's 1,000% that the father is Jewish. You can say with certainty that the child is a goy ka'aloch. It's 1,000% not Jewish. Why? Where do we know this from? It says, the Amr it says in the Pasuk, Veleisis chatin ba. Peter says, you're not allowed to, you shouldn't marry a non-Jew. An Israelite is not allowed to marry. Your daughter, you shouldn't give your daughter's hand in marriage to a non-Jewish husband. And, and your son shouldn't marry a non-Jewish wife. And it says, that there's no chasnas. In other words, there's no kiddushin. There's no chasnas. You can't do a kiddushin. There's nothing here. Okay, we learn from the Pasik that there's no condition. How do we know the child you go after the her, after the mother, and you go after the father? Patrilineal is that? Don't marry a, a non-Jewish wife. Don't allow your son to marry a non-Jewish, a non-Jewish girl. Why? Because he will remove your son from me. The Torah says two things. Don't allow your daughter to marry a Goy. And don't allow your son to marry a Shiksa. But the Torah only says at the end, why, key, why? Because he will remove your son from me. So why doesn't he say also, okay, that explains why your daughter should not marry a guy. Because the guy will take the kids uh, to church. He's a guy. So he's going to remove your children from you. Your children, your children are Jewish. I mean, your daughter's children are Jewish because the mother is Jewish, so they're hundred percent Jewish. But they're going to follow the father. The father will take them and lead them. Will lead them away from you. Obviously, the mother couldn't care less about her Jewishness. She cares so much that she married a goy. So Jewishness means nothing to her. And the goy, he's a goy. And he married someone who couldn't care less about their Jewishness. So he's going to take their children and raise them as non-Jews. So even though they're 100% Jewish, they don't even know they're Jewish. They won't even know they're Jewish. They're going to remove them from you. But wait a minute. Why doesn't the Torah explain the second half? The question is, why doesn't the Torah give a reason why your son should not marry the non-Jewish wife? Because she's going to remove your children from you. doesn't say that. He says he will remove, referring to the, the male. Yasser is, is in the masculine. That the husband, the father, who's non-Jewish, will remove your children from you. Wait a minute. How about she, the mother who's non-Jewish, in the case where the mother is non-Jewish and the father is Jewish, she will remove. Don't marry, but she's going to remove your children. It doesn't say that. Why? 
Kiyosir is Bincha Macharai. Bincha Ba Misrael is called a Bincha. Because the Torah can't say that. Because only in the case where your son, only in the case where your daughter is marrying a non-Jew, then your grandchildren are Jewish. So he's going to remove your grandchildren, your Jewish children from, from the Jewish people. But in the case where your son will marry a non-Jew, in that case, the children are not Jewish. There's nothing to talk about. It's not he's, she's removing your children. They're not your children. Children belong to the mother. After all, she carries it for nine months. The man makes a little contribution, but she's the one who pays the price and she carries it. It's the mother's child. He can't take away the child from the mother. The mother is Jewish. The child is 100% Jewish. And if the mother is non-Jewish, the child is 100% certifiably a goy ka'loch. Her child. So we see clearly from this pasuk that the children go after the mother. Right. said from the from this statement of Shemayin we learn from here. Your grandchild. From your daughter, your Jewish daughter, who's married to a guy, is called your child. Your mother says, "Name, let's say, because of No, let's say you want to say Ravina hold and a guy or a Canaanite slave that's intimate with a Jewish woman. That the offspring is a bastard. Because you said." If there's no Kiddushin, what was the third principle? Whenever there's no Kiddushin, there's no Kiddushin, automatically the child is a bastard. So here with a Goy, since there's no Kiddushin, so, so therefore the, you should say the child is a bastard. So the mother answers no. The mother says no. The child is not a kosher child. You can't call him a kosher child. If the father, if the father is non-Jewish and the mother is Jewish, he's not a kosher child. He's not a bastard. No, it's ideally, 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 you should, you should look for a child who's kosher, as a, a kosher father, a kosher marriage, like someone who's born out of wedlock. Not a kosher child. I mean, where the whole wasn't born in a healthy family. It's not kosher. Kosher means a Jewish family. It's born in a healthy, normal family, kosher family. It's critical for the development of the child to be born into a family. So if the father is not Jewish and there's no marriage and there's no home, there's no family, it's, it's like being born out of wedlock, being born in the wild. It's not a kosher. It's not a, it's not a not proper. It's not the way Hashem wants. But you can't call him a bastard. He's not a bastard. Because a bastard is only we're in a case where the mother is Jewish, but there's no Kiddush. No, I'm sorry. We, 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 there's no Kiddush. But in the case of a Goy, where there's no marriage to anyone, it's not a Kiddush to you. In the case of, when is it a bastard if there's no Kiddushin because it's prohibited to you? It's an illicit relationship for you, particularly. It's a relative. Or, for you, it's prohibited. But to anyone else, it's, they're kosher to marry. 
then it's a mamzer. But in the case where you can't marry at all, there's no marriage, a goy or a Canaanite slave, the child is not a bastard, it's not kosher, it's not a marriage, it's not, it's born out of way, it's not proper, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, puzzle mikri, call him puzzle. You can't marry a koyin. You can't marry a koyin. The offspring can't marry a koyin. Is there, is there a name that we give these kids? Yeah, pogum. It's pogum. Pogum. You can't marry a koyin, maybe, but, but you can't call it. The father is not Jewish. The mother is Jewish. The child can't marry a, can't marry a koyin. But, but it's not a bastard. What's the worst? Like, he's a more like that. But your mother asks, But that posik that you learn. That the mother, you go, the child goes after the mother, and it's her child. If she's non-Jewish, the child is not your child. It's not a Jewish child, but a non-Jewish child. Yeah, the Torah is speaking about the seven nations, seven Canaanite nations. How do we know this applies across the board to all seventy nations? Maybe it's unique to the to the Canaanite nation. But the answer is says in the passage, the reason, the reason is because you're not allowed to uh, marry. Your daughter should not marry a guy because he's going to remove your child which is Jewish. So, so. So, the rabbi comes to add, so this reason applies to any, any. Why only the seven Canaanite nations? The Torah gives a reason, a logical reason. I'm telling you, not to marry your daughter, should not marry a guy. Why? Because he's going to remove your child, which is Jewish, from the Jewish people. Why only the Canaanite nations? He marries a Frenchy or a Russian, what difference does it make? Any nation, a Greek, Armenian, what difference? The same reason applies. So therefore, and the Torah only says, this reason is only a reason why your son should not marry, uh, your daughter should not marry a guy, but he will remove your child. But, but, but the similar case is not so. Your son marries a, a non-Jewish woman from any nation in the world. It's not your child. It's her child. Let him go to church. He's not Jewish. No connection to anything Jewish. This is all good and well. According to Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon holds that you can explain the reason, the rationale behind behind the mitzvah, even if the Torah doesn't spell it out. In other words, even if the Torah would not spell out, the Torah wouldn't give us a reason. The reason why your daughter should not marry a non-Jewish husband is because your husband is going to remove your Jewish child, your Jewish grandchild from the Jewish people. So even according to Rabbi Shimon, even the Torah would not spell it out. Would just say, don't marry, that's it. Without explaining why. I would explain. I would look for the rationale. And I would say the reason is because... He will take away. He'll take away your child from the Jewish people. But then I would say that it only applies to the seven Canaanite nations. You know why? Because they're really attached to their idolatry. They're like hardcore ideologues. They're, they're, they're like uh, you know. So they will 
rip away your grandchild, your Jewish grandchild from his people. But the other nations, they're not so attached to their idols. So that's why the Torah has to spell out. The Torah gives us the reason. Why does they have to give us the reason? According to Rabbi Shimon, even the Torah, without giving us the reason, I figure it out. I, I look for the reason. I understand. And that's, that's what's behind it. They always have to look for the intangible. They don't have to spell everything out. What's not there, that's the reason. And based on that, you follow the, the Torah. You, you follow halacha based on the reasoning. That it only applies to the seven nations. So that's where the Torah has to ask, spell it out to add, include all other nations. But El, according to the rabbis who hold, that you can't give reasons for mitzvahs. If, you can't give reasons for mitzvahs and based on that decide. So therefore, so therefore, the, on the contrary, if the Torah would not give me, the Torah says, don't get married. I would say, Taylor doesn't give me a rationale. I can't say the reason is because the non-Jewish father is going to remove your Jewish grandchildren from being Jewish, and therefore it only applies to the seven Canaanite nations. No. Taylor says, don't marry them. Don't marry the nations of the world. Only marry each other. So that's why the Taylor has to spell out, no, he's giving me a reason. Because they're going to tear away your children. Ah, you're giving me a reason. That's the reason. Then it only applies to the seven nations, not to the rest of the nation. So maybe the Torah is coming to tell me that a, a Jewish girl is allowed to marry a, a non-Jewish boy as long as as long as as an Canaanite. Give my time. So where do we know that other nations, also outside the land of Israel, you're not allowed to? Loud, uh, that, that there's no condition that you're not allowed to marry it's included in what the Torah says and there's no marriage and there's no condition it says it says in the Pesach it says by in war captive of war that you're allowed to if you take her as a mar- to marry you see a beautiful woman in war and then you want to marry her so the Torah says you can you be intimate with her once then you have to separate she has to cry for 30 days about the father and um, right and then if, if you still want her then you can you can have relationships in the beginning when you're first intimate with her there's no condition it's only afterwards after she converts she cries over her mother and abandons her family and abandons her idolatry and abandons her culture and willingly chooses to become Jewish to convert only then only then only then does she become your wife so before that and there it's not talking about the Canaanite nations it's talking about all the nations of the world Mm-hmm. Not because talking about a permissible war, not an obligatory war. Canaanite nations is an, is an obligatory war. So we're talking about all the nations, and the Torah says that the, that you can't marry her. There's no marriage. There's no kiddushin. It's only if she converts. Only then is there kiddushin. So Gemara says, Achkam, we find Where do we know from this pasuk? We see that yes. Marrying a non-Jew, the husband is non-Jewish, there's no marriage. But how do we know the children follow, follows her? 
Or if the mother is not Jewish, we follow the mother by the other nations of the world. Person will have two wives. The older and each one will have will have an offspring. Whoever the Torah says that you will have a wife, meaning she's connected to you, she's betrothed to you, then the Torah says the older it's considered your children. But if there's no marriage, if there's no tiena, she's not doesn't belong to you, she's not connected to you. There's no connection. Then there's no viyaldu. The children are not yours. They have no connection to you. These children are not, not your children. Mm-hmm. The case that's your source. There's no marriage, and the children are, are follow her. They're not connected to the to the father. Whenever there's a tiyan, whenever there's a kiddushin, only then do the children associate are associated with you. The lineage goes after the father. But if not, the children are not considered yours. Yachi shivcha nami, a shivcha maid, a Canaanite, a non-Jewish maid. I could also learn from there because there's no kiddushin. Like we learned earlier, it says that the, the, the servants are compared to a donkey. There's no kiddushin. So once I know there's no kiddushin, then I already know that the children. If your wife is a Canaanite maid, if you're into a Canaanite maid, the offspring have no connection to you. You're not the father. Why do I need a Pasuk? We said we learned it out because it says that Isha from the Jewish slave, that the, uh, the offsprings that he has from the, from the Canaanite maid, that his master is giving him to sleep with at night. So the, the offsprings belong to the master. Why do I need a Pasuk? I don't need a Pasuk to teach me that. I know that already, that the children don't belong to him, have no connection to him. Mother says, you're right. You're right. I don't need that puzzle. So why do I need the puzzle that the, the, the woman, the Canaanite uh, maid, the non-Jewish maid and her offsprings from the, from the Jewish slave? It belongs to the master, a slave. Why do I need that? I already know that, that they don't belong to him. There's no connection to, to him. He's in the right. It's not a father of the Tanya, but in the I need it. It says, The person says to his mate, I'm freeing you, but not your offspring. Your offspring remains a slave. If she's free, the child is part of her. If she's free, the child also goes free. He's a full fledged Jew. What the rabbis argue? They say, no, no, he can do that. She is free, but the offspring remains a slave. From it says, My How do we learn this from there? How do you learn from this pasuk that you can free the mother and the child remains a slave? No, this is Rabbi Yisaglili. This pasuk, this is Rabbi Yisaglili saying. Rabbi Yisaglili saying that the mass, the, the the slave, and the child belong to the master. As long as she's a slave, then the child belongs to him. Only When could the master get the child? Only if she gets both together. It's a package deal. If you get the woman and her child, then. They both belong to the master. But if you free the, ma- the woman, the mother, 
then automatically you feed the child. That's the source, Rabbi Yitzhi. Okay, Shabbos is the last Mishnah, and finish the chapter, and start the last chapter of Kiddush, in chapter 4. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.